0: Welcome to episode 205 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr T. In this episode of the podcast, we review State of Origin Game 2 and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 205 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fan's perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the People. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you feeling post State of Origin Game 2?
1: Well, I am feeling like I'm on the blue moon of Kentucky. (laughs) That I just keep on shining. Shannon, like I've always done before, but look, um, obviously, very, very happy with uh, everything that transpired. Uh, a record-breaking victory by the Blues. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're going to be talking about it. But then, other than that, I've got to say that's kind of like the, you know, the sugar, I suppose, all the, the happiness. Uh, but also, you know, we're in lockdown here in uh, New South Wales. That's, uh, you know, all the COVID uh, has come back, and you know, basically. Uh, you know, change, change the competition. I, I feel like these next few weeks are going to be very, very important. And uh, yeah, so, but look, great <laughs> that Blues won, and, and just, uh, I suppose, a little uh, nervous about what's going to be ahead. How about yourself there, Dr. C?
0: Well, I was going to say I'm feeling blue. Uh, it's, it's all, it's all come up blue on the weekend. Um, Mm. you know, you did, you did foreshadow, we will be talking about the COVID situation. Obviously, uh, at the time that we are speaking, uh, Sydney, uh, Australia, New South Wales, well, Sydney anyway, is in lockdown. Um, and, uh, we can talk about what that means in terms of NRL, but not just Sydney. In fact, in the last kind of day or so, it's been Mm. announced that, Several other capital cities in Australia have been uh, plunged into lockdown um, probably not as long as New South Wales or Sydney has been, which is for two weeks. I think some of the other ones are probably three or four day lockdown periods yeah. but as at the moment we are speaking now, over half the population of Australia, has, is currently subject to a lockdown. Wow. So it's, uh, you know, unbelievable, I think. So look, and and look, I said I'm blue. There's a reason as well. Uh, you know, it wasn't just the New South Wales Blues at one, and we're going to get into a deep dive in a minute. But, um, you know, Sunday was, no. you know, it started off with the Italian Blues, the soccer, the Azuri, winning uh, their... Uh, um their game in the euro cup the soccer then it was followed up by the uh, the soccer in the a-league uh grand final in australia um well you wow. know we might think sydney fc are the sky blues they should have won but actually on the day the team wearing blue was melbourne fc uh, melbourne city fc i think they're called uh and they ended up winning so Both teams are blue, but one had to wear their original. And I think the Sydney FC wore their away jersey. So technically, the blue team won on the day. (laughs) And of course, I thought going into State of Origin. So if you were on the multi, on the blue team to win in these games, you would have won a mozza when the New South Wales Blues won against the Maroons. And what a historic victory that was as well and you know what i'm excited let's get into it we are going to talk about that right now so let's launch into our state of origin two wrap in tackle number one here we go all right game two state of origin sunday 27th of june uh, at Suncorp Stadium, the New South Wales Blues 26 over the Queensland Maroons 0. Um, in front of a crowd of 52,273, good conditions. And after that massive victory in game one, I think the Blues were entitled to feel like they were favourites. And look, it didn't really take too long for them to get off on the board. Um, in the end, it was four tries to 0. Uh, Four conversions uh, for Nathan Cleary and also a penalty goal. At halftime, it was 18-0 and, uh, you know, obviously only 8-0 in the second half, but still a massive, massive victory. And Tish, historic in the sense that it is only, I think, the third time that New South Wales has kept Queensland to zero points in a State of Origin match. And it's the first time ever that that's happened at Suncorp Stadium at, uh, you know, in Queensland's home ground. So historic on that level um, in terms of it was a shutout. It was a shutout on, you know, really... A series deciding game, which, uh, you know, you'd expect this kind of thing for, you know, game three when when nothing's on the line, if, if nothing is on the line. But no, this was an unbelievable effort uh, for the Blues, in my opinion. Um, look, let me just get your first impressions and we're going to deep dive into it and then we're going to talk about Man of the Match and things like that. So what are your first impressions about, um, about the match, your raw reaction to uh, watching it?
1: Well, look, um, watching it, like, you know, New South Wales, they were, uh, they were on top for pretty much the whole game. There was some absolutely some great performances by New South Wales and look, you know, a score line that I don't think a lot of people predicted, like I know, um, you know, like it wasn't the blowout that the game one was, um, although, uh, you know, New South Wales played to a level that it could have been, um. Queensland did improve, but not enough as well. Um, but look, you know, the, it was it was um, look, it was great for a New South Wales fan, and you, you know there is a lot that's happening on the Queensland end as well uh, after the game. And um, yeah, so overall, that was that was it. Um, and, you know, there was a bit of drama before the game as well. I mean, we're going to talk about some of the drama that happened on the Queensland side, but uh, you know, you, we mentioned the COVID situation that's in New South Wales. You know. Um, that happened, or started to happen Thursday, and you know the game was on Sunday. But on the Thursday, I think that's when um, you know the New South Wales team found out that they all need to cross the border before the lockdown happens, which I think took started on in Friday.
0: No, no, Saturday. Uh, Saturday six p.m. Yeah, started. Yep.
1: So they had to be across the border, and um, you know there was actually some <clears throat> staff that they couldn't come uh, come across. I believe that they actually had to change their doctor. Uh, and some of their, um, like they're sort of, uh, you know, like, uh, not just the coach, you know, all, all, all the people that are in their camp. So, so, you know, for, for the fact that the team was kind of disrupted in a way, um, uh, because of all the distraction that's going on and then yet yeah, put out this performance. Um, yeah, it was absolutely unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, it's it's. I wonder. Yeah, I feel like New South Wales, like you know, they're they're pretty much the Australian team now, right? I, is there any Queensland you could ever pick for, uh, for, for Australia at the moment, uh, based on what Queens uh, what New South Wales have shown in the first two games? I mean, the aggregate score I believe is something like seventy six to six, which is huge. Yeah, yeah, but that's my initial thoughts. What about you, yourself, Doctor T?
0: Uh, Yeah, look, I I think I just gave my initial thoughts, but I think it's it was just an epic, epic performance. Uh, Not obviously not as crushing as the first game, but um, honestly, with the game with the series on the line and what they managed to do to keep Queensland Mm. to nil, you know, you kind of have to overlook the actual score and you look at the fact that actually this was the more dominant performance. It, It in the sense that Queensland had a lot more. To lose, um, yeah. and they were not allowed to get into the game at all. Mm. Um, and and I guess one way to <clears throat> showcase that, you know, I'm going to go through in a minute the some of the highlights in chronological order, a bit of a play by play. And and you'll once you hear it, you'll start to see, you know, um, that that there were some really key moments um, that that sort of really highlighted how. In my view, uh, the, you know, what the reason why Queen, the New South Wales team dominated and have dominated so far in this series is, you know, yes, they've got great, great players. You know, no doubt. We've talked about, I think, the back line. I still contend that this back line, if they keep this back line together, it's going to win several series for them in a row, probably. Um, I don't want to say that all the time. But again, I, I, these are... Superstar players with very little weakness in the back line and and again that came through. The backs really are the ones that um, destroyed Queensland. And the other thing that was pointed out in the commentary was around the the idea of the commitment level of New South Wales and how they're just, you know, they, they've they're just they seem more committed um, and more passionate. You know, ironically, the way they're playing is the way Queensland typically plays and the difference is we've also got some star players um over over queensland so when you put those two things together the the traditional passion of queensland Mm -hmm. the never say die attitude the scrambling defense i mean to hold them to nil yeah that tells you everything you need to know this is not a slouch of a queensland side although we will get into in a minute um you know or in a few minutes we'll get into some of the controversial kind of uh Things that came out post-game, which kind of indicate that there's some trouble brewing up there in the Queensland squad, which could potentially give you an understanding of um, what went wrong. But look, I don't think it's that Queensland necessarily were terrible, although they were a bit clueless at times. But, you know, you're talking to New South Wales fans here. We've been used yeah. to <laughs> – we were used to watching the the years when Gallen and, and Mitchell Pearce and others – Fail to sort of direct us around the park properly and mm. this is now what Queensland is feeling those of you in Queensland supporters you're wondering what it what it felt like for us <laughs> on the yeah. other side this is what it felt like because yeah we, I can imagine how frustrated you were watching it I can imagine how how you were you know swearing at the cursing at the tv saying why don't these guys why do they look like they don't talk to each other or that they've never met each other, you know, there, there was no cohesion. This is exactly what we've been through in the past. And so the difference is, you know, again, the Blues have, they seemed quicker. They seemed a half a step quicker on in all across the park. They seemed mm. more passionate and they played and they played with commitment. And look, um, look, I may as well say it now before we go into the play-by-play that I think – probably the, the player of the match. I have to disagree with... Uh, in fact, let me ask you what the player of the match is. But uh, in my view, I think it was Latrell Mitchell over over James Tedesco. The stats tell you that Tedesco was very dangerous and, and I totally agree. But I think Latrell Mitchell had some major game-turning plays and turning points during the match. And I think... And, and we'll go through it soon as well in terms of the play-by-play. You'll get to hear it. But um, yeah. I think he was... He was instrumental in um, in in really showing that passion for New South Wales um, and and not just the game-changing, uh, you know, uh, moments, magic moments, but it was also something interesting that came out afterwards where I think Freddie was being asked, uh, Freddie Fiddler, Brad Fiddler was being asked about Latrell Mitchell and his passion. And... Uh, he basically said, look, um, someone was talking to him and, and he said, look, the Troll Mitchell basically stated that he bought into the the whole, the camp and the um, Freddie's kind of uh, mindset. Um, he bought into it. And now, and that, I guess you could compare that to other camps where he wasn't really mentally all there. Mm-hmm. And you could tell. And And to me, that is that to me was an indication that what Brad Fittler put together, the way he managed these, these, uh, star players, uh, the injection of, uh, Brian to and, uh, Jerome Lui to bring that kind of energy and, you know, a bit of cockiness and arrogance, a little bit on Jerome Lui's part, but mostly, you know, mostly the passion really, um, you know you've seen you've seen those memes hopefully people have seen those memes on the internet those images of Jerome Luai kind of laughing at the opposition and taunting you know in a in a nice way not not in a terrible way uh, the mm. queenslanders um, and some people obviously were up in arms about this especially after game 1 but then there have been memes that have been put out on the internet where you see that those photos and side by side with photos of Jonathan Thurston doing the exact same thing to Mitchell Pierce. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so to me, it's like, yeah, he's a bit of, he's similar in a way to Jonathan Thurston. He's a bit of a pest, a super talent, mm-hmm. but primarily he's, he's a bit, he's, he's, it's a bit of confidence and arrogance. And I think that's what we've been lacking. And I think uh, that's why the injection of Luo was important. But look, I think the Trail Mitchell, for me, was the man of the match because of, he, his, you know, incredible game-turning uh, moments. Yeah. Um, but I'll put it to you. What do you think, uh, Tish, man of the match? Do you agree with my assessment or do you have someone else in mind?
1: Well, um, you know, uh, I think uh, we kind of heard Phil and a few people, uh, break down game one and talked about, you know, how in, within the first set of the game, you already knew that Queensland had lost, you know, just based on how soft their defence was. But if you actually have a look at this game, this game was much different in that, you know, Queensland actually came out really, really far- firing. You know, they were their line speed was was phenomenal. Um, right, the, you know, the first fifteen minutes, they were, you know, Papali and um, you know, Christian Welsh leading the pack and really um, you know, belting the New South Wales team around, uh, you know, for the first for the first ten to fifteen minutes and 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 even though New South Wales are like, giving their own back, um. I'm pretty sure when it came to like the yardage of each set, um, you know, there was some, there were some New South Wales uh, sort of sets where they started, uh, where, where they finished off, sorry, you know, within the own 30. Um, and, you know, so so there was a bit of a dominance and then you kind of saw Luttrell, um, you know, uh, yeah, you saw that strip that led to the first try, right? So that was yep. the, that game turner. And, and, and then not just that, he had his hand, I believe, in the second try too. And then, um, you know, him and Tedesco, and then they sort of, they're the ones that sort of, uh, you know, re reunite the team and so forth. But it wasn't just his attack. There was also some defensive um, things that they did really, really well. Um, and then I think that, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm with you. Look, look Tedesco and uh, Latrell, and I'll probably give the edge to Latrell just because he, he provided those X factor moments that actually took the, which actually changed the game around. Um, and, uh, yeah, I heard Brad Phillips say, say this after the game and, and, um, you know, if you actually look at it, it's, it's pretty true. There were like, uh, you know, there was at least three different occasions when you said, where Queensland got uh, across the line and there was a, a serious chance of scoring and he thought they were going to score for, you know, uh, you know, for all money sort of thing. And then in all those moments, um, you know, you know, New South Wales was able to to sort of stop it. So the scoreline could have been 26-18. It could have been much, much closer of a game. But I think the defence of New South Wales cannot be uh, understated because I, I really feel that that defence really try. you know, basically uh, what won in the game. You know, that's, that's why they were able to be so dominant. Uh, but coming back to Luttrell, like, you know, that, that moment where obviously he did the strip and they scored off the net, next set you know, there was a big shift in that. You know, after that uh, particular first try, because after that first try, I think the Maroons they just they just lost all their energy. They just were completely different and um, Desc- <laughs> Yeah, deception. Like I think um, you could tell that they don't get along, Queensland. Like there was like um, you know, just the, their attack was so disordered. They had plenty of opportunities in the game, and you know, like they kind of. Um, I felt like the main playmakers were DCE and Valentine Holmes, um, whereas I think that the and I think Munster even said it in the, like his halftime sort of interview, like uh, you know, w- like nobody's listening to each other, nobody's, uh, you know, we we say to do these things, but then the ball doesn't go go that way, and uh, <laughs> and, and and I think yeah, they didn't really link up. It's like they kind of, um, I don't know what happened in camp, but they must have, uh, that they, they, they just. They just didn't gel at all, um, and then uh, I think that got a little bit better when Ben Hunt was there. But but again, like I feel like Ben Hunt and DCE should kind of know that when it comes to origin, you know, the person that will create that creativity is 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 Monster, and uh, uh, but at the same time, I also feel like Monster's got to get himself more like he's got to inject himself as well. So. That's just one aspect of, of where they're going wrong. There's, there's actually there's actually a few more, and it's and, and to be honest, Doctor T, kind of feel like it's classic New South Wales mistakes. Like something's something's reversed. It's like a, an upside down world here at the moment. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Because all the mistakes that New South Wales would traditionally make, I think I think Queensland are making those mistakes at the moment. Um, like having the second rower in the centres, but but yeah, maybe maybe break down the game and we could sort of go go from there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Look, I, look, this will be quick. I just sort of wanted to um, <clears throat> just go through to sort of yeah. You, you mentioned the first real big play was that one, on, in the eleventh minute, it was Latrell Mitchell one on one, stripped the ball close. Oh, I think it was you know probably thirty meters or so from the Queensland. Try line and basically gave the ball back to New South Wales and within a minute, um, I think the they swung the ball wide to the right and Josh Adokar went over um, pretty much un, uh, unimpeded, If I remember correctly, it was uh, it was an absolute easy try and uh, you know they had the overlap. So you know in defence you would think that again it was so easy that you kind of thought this this is it was unusually easy. I, I thought that try. Um, but you know, for whatever reason, they were on the back foot. They just didn't really recover. So um, yeah, so ADO again, the Mitchell Latrell Mitchell, I think, was uh, the the key to that one. Um, just going forward, uh, the next try. So that they that went to a six nil lead in, after 13 minutes. You know, four minutes. No, sorry, about 10 minutes later, 12 minutes later, 25th minute. Um, Latrell Mitchell takes, uh, probably one of the most magical intercepts I've ever Mm. seen. Uh, it was so smooth. It was almost like it floated to his left hand and he, you know, it was magical to watch. I'd have, I had to watch it a couple of times to make sure that I didn't miss it or, you know, it looks even better in slow motion, but even in, in normal speed, um, it just looked like they floated the ball directly to him. And his hand, the way he grabbed it, it was just unbelievable. And he then ran pretty much the length of the field to, to um, uh, almost didn't quite make it, but he, he managed to get there in the end. So, again, that's another magical play. So, within like 12 minutes or so, 12, 13 minutes, uh, those were two major plays. And all of a sudden, we've got the Blues at 12-0, mm-hmm. Um Look, that wasn't it though, because about five minutes after that, five six minutes after that, in the thirty-second minute, a uh, a try came uh, to Tommy Trubojevic, um to bring it with a, a conversion a minute later to eighteen nil, um, and uh, yeah, so this one was basically a, a simple kind of pass out wide, and then uh, Adokar I think uh, handed it back to Turbo to finish that off so that was a pretty pretty clean uh, good try there and then look all of a sudden you're you're seeing um, you know 18 nil and that's where we went at half time there were a few um, <clears throat> a few mistakes here and there for New South Wales but really nothing major so at this point they they're going into the sheds 18 nil after the 56 to 16 uh, to 6 kind of dropping Last time you kind of thought, well, this is uh, or fifty to six. Sorry, uh, you kind of thought, well, this is um, it's over. It's all over. And I think, you know, look to their credit, Queensland in the second half. Like I said, the second half was only really an eight uh, nil scoreline to New South Wales, but really they did nothing in in offense to show that they they were, um, you know, fighting back. Um, So a penalty in the 50th minute brings it to 20-0, and then, you know, there's nothing, there's a period of almost 20 minutes there where it was really dramatic, a lot of back and forth. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, There was uh, a try that had to go, a couple of tries that went to the bunker, Queensland almost got those tries, but they didn't. Um, you know, there was one where it ended up being Gagai almost scored in the in-goal area, but his elbow had just touched the sideline. So, you know, there could have been at least two opportunities, I think, mm. that we could have seen that 20-0 lead being whittled down to 20-12, to and then it could have been a completely different ball game. Um, <clears throat> then in the 69th minute, we had a uh, another try, the second try to Josh Adokar. To bring that score to twenty four nil, and then the conversion a minute later brings it to the final score of twenty six nil. But then you had some very interesting, (laughs) some very interesting plays where there was a was it did you say? Kyle felt I think um, in the seventy first minute, so a minute after this uh, try was scored by New South Wales, almost scoring at the other end, uh, but an absolute miracle try saving tackle by Brian To'o, uh had to go to the bunker mm. to to show what happened. And, you know, again, we I, I know it was n- nine minutes to go towards the end, but we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, again, the series is one. There's no way that in the 10 minutes we're going to lose a 26-0 lead. Um, but still, the effort and commitment in mm. defence to pretty much, in my view, save an, a, an almost certain try. He was for all money over, and it was just the way Brian Tull came in and tackled him that um, I don't think he deliberately went for the ball by the look of it, but it somehow his hand got in there and dislodged the ball, and then uh, Kyle Felt did kind of recover it mid air, but then it kind of got knocked forward onto Brian's hand, so they, they considered that a knock-on. And then by the time he landed, he had lost control of the ball. So, you know, there was that, and there was also the other kind of. Um, uh, uh, oh, this may have been a bit earlier, but the the, the one of the most amazing pieces of play, play was the uh, the short kickoff by I think it was Kyle felt doing it as well, which yeah. um which actually went. It's meant to go 10 metres forward, but it went backwards. It actually went behind (laughs) them and went behind the dead ball line. So I don't know if I've ever seen that in a game of football, but um, this was – it was look, it was desperate times at this point. They were trying anything and, unfortunately, it didn't work out. So, look, those are the key highlights. And as I said, if you rewind back to what I was saying in the early stages, it was really Latrell Mitchell's, um, you know, couple of really game-changing plays that I think – you know, set them up to, to have that early lead. Um, not to mention the fact that he was super dangerous almost every time he had the ball. Uh, and it doesn't get helped by the fact that, you know, he's up against... Uh, was he up against Gagai, I think, in his opposition yeah. number? Or possibly even uh, Cable at one point. But I think it was Gagai. But, yeah, he had the wood on Gagai throughout the whole tournament. So, um, sorry, the whole tournament, the whole match, the whole series. And... Yeah. Um, And certainly let him show it because I think Latrell Mitchell, he's got a bit of a grubby streak. And a couple of times he uh, tried to, you know, give a bit of a face palm to Gay Guy when he was on the ground at one point when he got bundled over the sideline. So Latrell's got to watch those uh, grubby moments because it's not good. But I think he was just trying to rev, rev up his opposition player. So, look, you know, whether it's Latrell Mitchell or the other players, I think, again, the backs really showed that um, when required, were able to spread it wide. They were able to, you know, again, the forwards did did what they needed to do. So let's not forget the the forwards did their job. Safidi, Payne Haas were probably two of the... And Tariq Sims were probably yep. three of the best backs uh, throughout the whole series, actually. And they proved that again. Uh, you know, you've got Isaiah Yo had a, a, a try-saving tackle as well. I think he had... Statistically, he... uh had the most number of tackles, so he was a, a workhorse there as well. You know, when you put all that together, New South Wales just dominated uh, the park entirely. There was one statistic, though, and I'll go back to what you were saying before that kind of highlighted that um, where they didn't dominate, which was number of tackles in the opposition 20 metres, which I think was um, that statistic went in the direction of Queensland. Um but again, all that showed is they failed to convert any of that uh, possession to points. And New South Wales, obviously, with their strong defensive um, uh, effort, and the fact that most of their tries came from, uh, you know, well behind the 20 metre line, so well outside the red zone. So it was really all about the open style play that they're playing. Um Again, put all those things together, and and it shows how dominant the Blues were. Um, you know, in my view, more so than in Game One when they won uh, by a much bigger margin. So look, Queensland, where where to from here? I mean, we're hearing talk about New South Wales dynasty, but um, well, I guess we let's shall we go into tackle number two where we talk about where to from here? Yeah, do, let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go, tackle number two, and we talk a little bit about Game Three. Here we go. All right. So I did mention where to from here for Queensland. That's the first question I'm going to pose to you, Tish. Mm. Over to you. Where does Queensland go from here?
1: Well, um, it is interesting where I think uh, DCE and Paul Green – actually, I think this was DCE's comment where he said that, um, you know, uh, they lacked motivation, (laughs) right? So um, even though they got slaughtered 50 50 to 6 – I think a lot of people have said, do you need to be motivated when you get picked for Queensland? Like, do you need extra any more extra motivation that? So I think a lot of... There's a lot of unhappy Queensland former players, I would say, at the moment. The alumni uh, is sort of against, uh, you know, the coach and the captain just on their comments. And they also sort of, you know, I think for the first six or seven minutes, they, um, you know, they sort of started talking about the Mulatalo incident, uh, which, which, to be honest, is not really... Um, I don't think he would have turned the game uh, at all. Like you know, I mean, he's just not in that. Like you know, he's a great player and everything with all due respect, but I don't think that was that. So I think Queensland have a lot of things that need to change, um, and I think it's got to start off with just like you know having, you know, having that Queensland spirit or, or just you know like realizing this is a ref game. This is not a, you know, this is not a club game sort of thing. You know, you are representing, you know, uh, your state sort of thing, and, and just having a bit more. Um, you know, like yeah, that whole like we need to be motivated. I don't think that, you know, I don't think Queensland, Queensland does need to have that. So I, I think a change in attitude is probably really uh, important. Um, from from the actual uh, lineup point of view, I think the fact that yes, I understand New South Wales doesn't have two centres at the moment. Where like you know they're both playing fullback for their clubs, but the reality is um, Latrell Mitchell's played sentence for most of his life uh you know and uh, and he gets locked in that position and Tom treboyvic you know he sort of he kind of plays wing <laughs> plays fullback plays front row, he kind of he kind of slots in wherever where, like he's just a roam, roaming around doing whatever he does so so New South Wales I think have a special case and can be exempt from you know playing picking plays in position but what I don't understand is Kirk Capewell, he plays uh you know in the in the you know, in the second row, row for Penrith, the leading club uh, on the ladder and he should be playing in the forwards and they do need to pick a specialist centre. And, um, you know, the excuse is, well, you know, Queensland don't ha- really have the troops that New South Wales have. They don't have the depth. They don't really have the players. But, you know, um, I kind of made this comment uh, not really thinking about how there's a lack of Eels' uh, representation in the uh, in the in the in Queensland or New South Wales, even though they're running third. Well, you know, one of the best defensive centres uh, in uh, in the competition, Tom Oppercheck is playing for Parramatta, right? Um, and he's a centre and he's a Queenslander. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, th- this is a play you want to have um, if you want to go young. But if you want to go old and experienced, you also have uh, returning to the Sharks. You have uh, you know as a Will chambers right who has played a ton against queensland and has uh, you know excelled at that level so to say that they don't have any options i think is a bit is a bit harsh uh it, well is a bit untrue um i think they do have options in their centers and i think they really need to to think that because what they're lacking at the moment i feel is they just don't have that finishing uh, that they can't score tries they just um they're, they're like slow, they just kind of, um, you know, they kind of just don't do it. If you actually look at all the New South Wales tries that do seem to happen when there's a defensive issue in the centres, um, you know, that corridor between, you know, the edge of both fields um, in between where the centre defends and where the second row defends or the five eighth. it's usually somebody's out of position and that just causes that, uh, you know, that causes all the issues that they have and, um and New South Wales are so good that, as you said, they could score long-range tries from anywhere. You, they just need to have half a gap, and they could exploit that into a try. You know, that's um, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it, so 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 I think I think Queensland just need to um, they just need to pick a team that's you know players that are playing in position. Um, you know, I heard that uh, Kalen Ponga, you know, probably would be back. So that's going to be a big boost at fullback. Um, you know, potentially a few of the Titans players I think were also injured are coming back as well. AJ Brimson and maybe Harry Grant. I think I think all those attacking players will will help. Uh, but I really think that the centres need to be fixed. So that's what I'd say for Queensland. And look, potentially, uh, you know, Paul Green. It's a pretty bad record he's got at the moment. I know it's only two games, but. You know, potentially, I don't know. It's only a one-year contract for him. Uh, I don't know if it's going to get renewed for next year. Uh, And, you know, he may even lose his job before then. Wow.
0: Well, I mean, one thing I want to say, Tish, is I wonder if their success last year uh, with, you know, obviously we remember Munster. It was a very dour series. It was at the end of a COVID-affected year. Um. I think, I think the idea, we were trying to get ourselves kind of, you know, there was this whole thing about are people going to be interested in state of origin after the NRL grand final? So it was a bit of a, you know, a dour, drow, you know, drowsy kind of series last year, um, I've in, I feel, in comparison to previous years. Um, and somehow Queensland won this one and, you know, won it through... Cameron Munster uh, starred uh, last year. And I just wonder whether their success last year is going to actually hamper them to make the changes that they need because they started this business with Capel in the centres last year and they got some success because, you know, New South Wales themselves had players out of position like Gutherson, etc. And And I feel like that has led to them maybe being a bit, you know, like maybe the change that they need to make to to modernize their team and, and you know, update their team isn't really going to happen for a while because they're still going to think, well, you know, we are, you know, we pretty much won last year. So what, are they really going to make wholesale changes when, you know, potentially the issue is Munster and Cherry Evans? You know, maybe, maybe they are the issues here, uh, the issue here. And as you said, the Cameron Munster kind of um, comments that he made indicates that there is, you know, either there are too many cooks or something is not quite right in terms of the the spine. And so they need to make some tough decisions. And I don't think they will this year. And they may not even do it next year. They might just sort of patch it up with, okay, we'll just get some centres that know how to play centre and aren't out of position. And I think that won't be enough, not against this New South Wales team. I think we're going to beat them again next year, unless Queensland make massive changes and bring in those players that, that you know, can play a similar style to New South Wales. That's my view. Um, look, so what do you think about that? Do you think that their success last year is probably going to prevent them from making wholesale changes, or do you think that they will anyway?
1: Well, I, I think last, I think last year's series is, um, I think they've got to, I think they've got to move on from last year, <laughs> right? Uh, because mm-hmm. the series has already lost, right? So now you have got to build for next year. I think that's 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 the key, right? And um, and you know, I th- the the Capewell, he wasn't he, last year. They got to remember he wasn't picked, uh, you know, originally in the centres. He had to move there. I think halfway through when they had an injury. Uh, from memory, so 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 I kind of feel like they've kind of just um, turned that into a permanent because he did well because like you know uh, that was kind of a, a crazy series you know I, I, there was no little Trail last year for New South Wales um, as well and I don't think uh, maybe there was no Tommy as well perhaps
0: no um, no there wasn't
1: <laughs> yeah so so yeah so it was a different lineup so so now I think they've got a I think you've got to evolve you've got you've got to change. Um, and that's why they've got to probably. Uh, so that's you know that was the exciting thing about potentially having Reese Walsh in the team. Uh, I know he's only had seven games in, but it's the future sort of thing. And I think, and I think the good thing that Fred, uh, you know, Brad Fittler has done, and a bit of Laurie Daly kind of did this as well. And you saw him, you know, sort of break the drought with like that victory. Is that they've, they haven't been afraid to sort of pick the new guys, sort of thing, or or pick the young guys. And I think. I think Queensland need to start doing that because they've got to realise that their future is not going to be, um, you know, the same players that they've had. Um, you know, I'm not too sure how old Dane Gagai is as well. Like, I, I think they kind of need to to sort of do a bit of a, a churn in terms of who they've got. Um, yeah, because, look, if you look at the forwards, the forwards, you know, for the most part were able to hold their own. I feel like I think they did um, do well in that. Aspect, um, but yeah, I think just the way their attack is, is it, it it needs to be uh, it needs to be addressed. No, we could go the other way. Like the other thought, uh, I kind of think like there's two there's two different voices um, that everybody that Queensland hear, they hear Munster and they hear Daly Cherry Evans, and I feel that they're not on the same page. Um, so I think that you're gonna have to kind of like let 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 one lead and let the other one not lead, um, and uh, and I think I would go with Munster because I don't think – I think it's too structured with Daily Cherry Evans and Ben Hunt and McCulloch and these guys. I think you need to have um, the X Factor because it's the X Factor that, that is that is ba- basically beating them, you know. Uh, you know, Tommy Turbo and, um, you know, Latrell Mitchell. Like, you know, they're, they're two X Factor players. You can even put James Tedesco, Jerome – I mean, the whole – Joshua, I mean, they're all – They've all got that X factor in them, but you know, I don't think uh, the way that you know, ben, you know, Ben Hunt and um, Daly Cherry Evans and um, yeah, even McCullough. I think the, I don't think the way they play has that X factor or has that sort of unpredictability, doing something that you know, um, you know, that 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 New South Wales are not expecting. Like I feel like, you know, there was nothing that New South Wales uh, couldn't handle. <laughs> You know, yeah. um, at the end of the day, even 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 the kicks where, and in the kicks, you know, even when um, they got the jump, even when Queensland were able to successfully execute the kicks, they still weren't able to score the tries. So they even had the plan for the plan if it went wrong. <laughs> you know, so um, I think that's what Queensland need to do. But uh, yeah, but look, this could be the first time since like in over twenty years that New South Wales won three 0 and what a golden opportunity to do that.
0: Yeah, and look, I think uh, you know, I think they will do it, and uh, but yeah, it remains to be seen because uh, look, we're going to talk in, in the news update <laughs> in a minute. There are some things that might throw a spanner in the works there, so yeah, I think it's a good time to close off well, the state well, of origin too. Yeah, last there, last word.
1: There is one other thing because um, of the lockdown. There could be a chance this game might be moved from uh, Stadium Australia as well. Doctor T, do you think it will?
0: Uh, I don't know where they're going to move it to because half the country is in lockdown, so <laughs> they'll have yeah. nowhere to go. They're going to have to play it in Tasmania because um, that's the only place that, where there is no COVID restrictions at the or you know limited. Um, mm. Look, it is a it is an interesting topic. Look, at the end of the day, even if they postpone it for a little bit, doesn't matter. We won, we won the series, um, so yeah, right. at least we know that it's not going to be. Uh, you know, it's really just about. Look, it's, it's just about the New South Wales Blues celebratory uh, victory dance. That's what it is. Uh, mm. Where do we play it? I think we just wait until we we get things under control in Sydney and play it in Sydney. That's where we should play it. It's uh, it's going to be a heck of a party once, a, uh, once it actually goes ahead. And uh, we're going to get the shield and the presentation and all that. So I think um, hopefully the NRL will decide to kind of Postpone things and make sure it gets played here because that's, I think, where it should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I all, think right. So all right. Shall let's we? Move on. Let's move on. Uh, so, quickly, there's a few news update items. So, let's go tackle number three news update. All right. The first one is a Ronaldo fiasco, but not the Ronaldo you might think of. <laughs> it's about Ronaldo Militarlo, uh, the second most famous Ronaldo in the world. Um, and look. Tish, what's happening? It, you know, as you mentioned earlier, there was some. Uh, dis- I think it, let's just say this whole Moulutalo scenario was distracting for Queensland potentially. But do you want to quickly sort of go through what's uh, what was the news around okay. that and how did it affect State of Origin?
1: All right. Well, so um, you know, Queensland originally picked Reece Walsh to play fullback, but then uh, he was ruled out out of injury, and then Ronaldo Moulutalo. Well, he suffered. He was brought on into the lineup. Uh, but he suffered, you know, basically a humiliation after being called into the Maroon starting side for his Origin debut uh, on Saturday night, so 24 hours before the game, when then he was told only 12 hours later that he couldn't play because he was ineligible, <laughs> right? So <laughs> even though he'd uh, played for Queensland, uh, you know, junior teams, um you know, and he was in the, the squad for the whole week. Um, you know, it was only twelve hours before the game. You know, uh, you know, on the day of the game, they he basically found out that he was uh, ineligible to play. Now, what actually happened was is that the New South Wales uh, Rugby League CEO Dave Trondon, uh said on Saturday night he raised concerns about Milatolo to the NRL. Um, so what happened was is that uh, somebody had uh, you know once they made the announcement that Militello was in the team. There was a 2019 article that that was on the QRL website that um, said that he had uh, been recruited by the Sharks from an early age and moved over from Queensland, from, uh, sorry, to Queensland from New Zealand at the age of 14. So based on that article, uh, somebody had tweeted about that and saying, "Well, isn't 14 too old?" Uh, and then uh, Dave Trotten saw that tweet and then raised the question. Um, and then uh, obviously Queensland are then saying that, okay, well, actually, no, we've got evidence that he came into uh, Australia, because the the rule is you've got to come in before the age of 13. Uh, So then Queensland said that they did actually have evidence that he came into Australia before the age of 13, Um, but he doesn't. (laughs) He didn't, basically. And um, the other interesting thing is that it's later come out that there's been three to- three different uh, contracts that uh, Molotalo has had, uh, you know, uh, ever since he's been playing sort of professional rugby league, even for the juniors. And in the first two, he does actually state that he came to Australia at the age of 14, um, not the age of 13, and that he's ineligible to play for Queensland. In fact, Michael Maguire had inquired whether he could play for New Zealand, but he turned that down because he wanted to play for Queensland. So, Crazy situation! Um, the QRL found itself in. They pick a player who um, has played coin- for Queensland in all the junior grades, uh, but suddenly, you know, if you actually go back through the paperwork, which they should have checked, he was never eligible. <laughs> you know, that's that, mm. that's crazy. So, what are your what are your thoughts on this whole Ronaldo Monatalo fiasco?
0: Wow, well, you know, try saying that three times quickly. Uh, look. <laughs> The Mooloolah, Anyway, um, look, it's just you know, don't you hate it when you miss something like this on a technicality, and then yeah, you completely just you look foolish, really, as an administration. And and look, I'm not going to dig into Queensland about this, although as tempting as it is, it's I think there's a broader issue here, which is as a game, rugby league administrators need to really step up a little bit and it if anything it shows how incompetent rugby league administrators are in general, not just not just Queenslanders, if you know what I mean. So to me it's like yeah, like I said, it's tempting to sort of play the partisan politics here and say, you know, that's a Queensland thing. We wouldn't be that silly in New South Wales. Well we let go of Greg Inglis. Mm. You know, we we completely you know again we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot as a game, and and that's the biggest problem I see. Is that it looks it looks really like we are in a shambles in terms of how we run things as a game. So that that to me is the main problem that I see. Um, the issue itself about eligibility or the New South Wales or Queensland versus, you know, is a tier one nation allowed to do this or a tier three? What about Jerome Lua? You, you hear all of these things have been talked about in the media in relation to this Mulitalo affair. and And the reality is, to me, it doesn't make a difference. The rules mm-hmm. are pretty clear, whether you agree with them or not. And the fact that we couldn't even make sure that that the players that are, are in line for selection, that we don't do background checks on them to mm-hmm. make sure that everything is above board, that, that it just screams incompetence and it screams rugby league incompetence. And I'm kind of sick of it. So I'm hoping that rather than this being a Queensland, you know, QRL needs to up its game, that everyone should up its game. The NRL should have been on top of this from day one. Really, they should go through every single player and their background history and determine who they're eligible to play for. It shouldn't even be a question. It shouldn't yeah. even be something that is done on a paper form, which is what we saw for Militaro—a paper form where he ticked certain boxes. It shouldn't even be like that. It should just be a known thing, and we track it like any data gets tracked. Yeah, you know, we track we we track heart rate data and and you know how much they sweat and how many kilometers they travel in a game a lot more efficiently than we do basic things like eligibility to play for a particular country i mean yeah. seriously it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it so anyway that's my my rant <laughs> but um look let's move on to the next thing well, which well, is I'll,
1: oh sorry uh, go ahead yep there's just one final thing that i forgot to add is that um so so here's so Multala was ruled out, and then so they bought in Xavier Coates, um, who has previously represented P&G. <laughs> so. Oh, good Lord. Not so I didn't realise that. that. <laughs> think about that. Think about that. Yeah, but anyway. But
0: well, let's move on, but yeah. <laughs> but luck, lucky a panel consisting of Brad Thorne, Adrian Lamb, and Tony Carroll <laughs> agreed collectively that that was not an issue. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Um, all right. So um, the next item is obviously, you know, we are COVID affected again, New South Wales yeah. or Sydney is. And so we've got a situation there where this is still a live question. It's a live news item. We don't know what's happening with the NRL and
1: mm. how,
0: whether decisions are going to be made about what it's going to do um, in this situation. We have. It's not just that Sydney is in isolation. It's also in, in uh, lockdown mode, I guess, for the next two weeks. It's also that there are some players affected. So we've heard that there are five Bulldogs players that are currently in isolation. Um, and I don't know if that's because they've got COVID or something happened or I'm not sure of the details. And I've heard Josh Dugan as well. So, Tish, do you know what the details yeah. are? or yep.
1: Well, well, what's, what's actually happened? So... Um, uh, since the no- lockdown was, uh, you know, uh, announced by the New South Wales government, the New South Wales, oh, the NRL, uh, basically, uh, uh, you know, reinstated the same protocols that were in May of last year. So, which is level four uh, restrictions, which meant that you know, basically, all players can do is, you know, go to training, go home, you know, no socialising. Uh, because obviously NRL players they get exempt because they are living on a higher standard, but um, five Bulldogs players they have been uh, yeah they they breached protocol and uh, now are in isolation because of that um, and uh, they're probably going to get heavy fines and and suspensions um, because yeah they they were out at a Bondi nightclub that is like one of the one of the hotspot areas, like one of the, what do they call it? You know, one of those, um, it's on oh, the yeah, list of the, places. Yeah, well, well, the exposure sites, they call yeah, them. Exposure yeah, exposure sites. Exposure sites. So so, so basically, yeah, so these these five players um, have, yeah, so the NRL found out about them. Now, interestingly, like, you know how you've got the scan, like in New South Wales, you've got to scan in, you know, where you are. Well, three of the players did, but two of them didn't, uh, which kind of suggests that they knew that what they were doing was, was wrong. Um so that's really bad and then uh to add to that you know Josh Dugan he actually goes and does the same thing and I believe he did that on the Sunday so he did it like well into the lockdown already taking effect um going to like uh, you know another eastern suburbs you know area that he shouldn't been at um you know these players are supposed to be in training and you know like uh, basically these breaches puts the NRL in a in a very tough position now because They have promised, you know, both the New South Wales, Queensland and probably Victorian governments as well, that their players are going to live by a high standard. The fact that they're not, um, you know, kind of jeopardises, you you know, uh, the competition from being played, uh, you know, because what if what if the uh, New South Wales and Queensland governments say, well, you know, your players aren't really adhering to what you guys agreed upon. So. You guys aren't going to get that exemption to play. You know, all other sport is banned. All other recreational sport is banned at the moment uh, in New South Wales. We've got four games on this weekend. Uh, you know, um, because of these breaches, you know, the the New South Wales government can 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 tell the NRL, hey, uh, you know, you can't play these games this weekend. Well, well, I mean, look, you know.
0: It's not the first time that some of these players and teams have been uh, busted doing stupid things. And, and this is a problem is that if if this continues, then I think public goodwill towards the players. Look, up until now, we haven't really had a COVID case,
1: mm. which
0: is a bit of a miracle because in most other major professional sports across the world, there have been plenty of of, uh, of, of COVID cases. In fact, um I think, am I mistaken in thinking that even in the Euro Cup, there's been some players have actually been stood down at the, the crucial knockout stages of the tournament, uh, you know, in, in the soccer that's, that's playing at the moment because they've been COVID affected so or have tested positive. So this is not something... It's not a, a trivial thing. This is not something to be sneezed at, uh, pun intended. Um, you know, th- th- this is something that really, the players really need to step up and realise that they're in a privileged position to continue doing what they're doing. If they don't, and if the NRL gets shut down again because of it, it's their own, uh, you know, their own salaries are at stake as well. I mean, <laughs> we, you know... Yes, the NRL has some money that can tide it over for a little bit, but, um, you know, this is not going to last forever. So they've got to be really careful about this because another shutdown of the NRL can have uh, a knock-on effect to their own uh, hit pocket. So anyway, speaking of... Um, well, no, uh, there's no link here, but the, 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 <laughs> the next news item is really... Look, it's really... We were talking about State of Origin earlier, and really this is all dependent on... Uh, uh, one key player, one key news item which could rock the New South Wales Blues lineup. Tish, what are we hearing from the Panthers?
1: Yeah, well, Panthers rocked by injury, bombshell as Cleary, that's right, Nathan Cleary, faces a possible season-ending surgery. Now, uh, you know, all uh, jokes aside, and I don't want to make too much light of, of the situation, but uh, when I did hear that Cleary was out, I did look up what injury it is, and um there's a rumor going around that it's actually acne, <laughs> but it's oh not. Oh no,
0: that's terrible. <laughs>
1: that's terrible. But basically, Nathan Cleary's season could be over because of a shoulder injury that um, he sustained out of the New out of the State of Origin game last Sunday, and um, may have to go through shoulder surgery. There are scans being uh, taken at the moment, um, and meanwhile, the Panthers uh, have not picked him for this weekend's uh, team. Brad Fuller has already said that um, there's probably a, a very strong chance that he won't be playing Origin 3. And, um, you know, there could be, you know, uh, it's, it's, it is it's fairly, fairly early, but he will definitely miss a few weeks for Penrith. And, um, you know, he may need to even uh, have that situation where, you know, he might have to play through the pain, like, you know, like... Uh, and forego the surgery until the end of the season, which might affect the way he plays the game. So big news that, you know, that that, uh, Nathan Cleary is out. And, um, you know, I think Penrith have shown this year the two games that they've lost, they haven't had their origin plays in those two games, and that has affected their result. Uh, Now with Nathan Cleary, uh, you know, set to potentially miss the season, I think that really actually brings them back a little step in terms of how they go. Um, so it's going to be very interesting how this one plays out. So I suppose first question for you, Dr. T, is uh, like, does this uh, does this mean that – can Penrith win the comp without Nathan Cleary? A, and B, who do you think his replacement should be for the New South Wales team?
0: Well, I mean, look, I don't know what, what this means for Penrith. Um, and – and to be honest, I don't don't really know what it means for uh, for New South Wales either. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty tough because look, we do have I think we do have some options. I just can't think of any at the moment that are you know in as much sort of white hot form as as the Penrith boys. And so um, yeah, the, but on the first question about what Penrith does about it, I think. Um, yeah, you, they could always put Kurt Capewell. <laughs> <see? laughs> Why not put him at halfback, you know? like the, He's been playing out of position all year, apparently. Now, look, uh, New South Wales, I'm not sure. I mean, what do you think? Let's, uh, look, the question is, can we win without him? I think mm. yes. I think out of all the backs, he is probably even as good as, as he has been. And he has been good. He has uh, ran to the line, you know, many more times than he did, Last year in the last series So I think he has really kind of Evolved as a player in the last 12 months And less than 12 months actually Because we played sort of at the end of last year So he's done so much this year To evolve as a player and run to the line A lot more, which is exactly what we Wanted him to do last year and for whatever Reason he didn't quite do it Um, Can you get someone to replace him And still have a strong New South Wales lineup? Yes, because In my view, it's the rest of the players and it's really Jerome Luai who is the link to the the other backs. And as long as you've got a halfback that does, you know, even if it's a timid halfback that just does the job and uh, makes sure he passes it to Luai to do the rest, that's enough. So you just need someone to stand in. And look, what options do we have? We can still recall Reynolds, I believe, he's still available. Mm. I think he would he would do quite well, and he's got an excellent kicking game as well. So we wouldn't lose too much there. Who else, in your opinion, who are the other options? Well, Mitchell Moses. Well, yeah, Mitchell Moses. I mean, look, I I don't know if I'd put him. Was he? Ooh, that would be a bit of a risk. I think.
1: Okay. Well, because well, he think- would
0: be targeted very readily.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, because then because you, you got the Adam Reynolds mold, and then you know if you okay, so if Adam Reynolds isn't the right guy, then you you know there's a guy like Chad Townsend, like you know, so you're starting to get into these names that are like not necessarily playing for clubs that are that are great, you know. Um, uh, Luke Brooks, well, sixty-six to two to six or whatever the Tigers lost to, I don't think you could pick him either, right? So yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, so then it, the, the, then it comes on to Mitchell Moses, but, you know, what I think they will actually do, I think they'll actually play Luai at seven, which is crazy uh, to think about considering it's his first series, but potentially put him at seven and have Whiten come in and play five-eighth, who's obviously oh, an yeah. experienced Origin player. So. Yeah,
0: you could do that. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, and then you could actually bring Coruso in to... Um, as a second dummy half, because really, I mean, really, you could. I, I don't know. I think, I think Corissa can come in and you got other players in the back line that can shift if they need to to cover. Um, yeah, you could do yeah. that potentially. And they've all I, I been
1: think. part of the setup this year, they've all been yeah. in the squad. Yeah, that's so, right. So, yeah, so that, they could all either do that. And I think the next step is to bring Moses in. And it might be good just to bring Moses in as like a. Like an extra to be a part of that squad as well, because um, down the yeah. track, you know, he's probably going to be, um, you know, I mean, he's uh, he is the halfback for the team that is running, um, you know, uh, like sort Third of the best yeah. behind Penrith, you know. So, so, so that's that's where I, I think it'd be. Plus, he's got, um, you know, he's got the. Uh, there's another uh, Eels player that's already in. Like Junior Polo is already in the lineup too. So. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably, probably, I would say, probably the best uh, option. Um, all right,
0: that's fair enough. Yeah. I think I'll go with that. But let's see what happens because uh, I think yeah, it all depends on performances in the next week or so to see what mm. they decide to do. But fair enough. All right, let's move on to the last news item quickly. We've got, look, this is yeah. about expansion. This is about the new Brisbane team. Uh, what is the latest in that space?
1: Okay, well, QRL chairman Bruce Hatcher, rather than talking about uh, how bad Queensland lost, <laughs> rather than talking about <laughs> how, like, you know, what, what a kerfuffle the uh, press conference is and how Queensland supporters wanted an apology from the team or whatever, uh, he's come out and actually, no, the biggest topic to talk about for Queensland Rugby League is that, uh, you know, he would rather consider a Sydney club moving to Brisbane rather than expand the competition and add a 17th team um, so based on that apparently the team that's been picked they sort of always get picked is the Brisbane sharks right <laughs> uh, so Cronulla to move up there um, you know so so instead of having like keeping the, the competition at 16 uh, but yet having uh, having the sharks move up to to Queensland, uh, Dr. T, do you think that will work, or or do you think it's better just to start a start a fresh with a new team, new identity? Um, oh,
0: look, it's always a tough one, isn't it? I mean, you could argue that I think Cronulla actually didn't they recently purchase sort of some land and yeah, had a, you know, like they've they've got enough um, you know res- cash reserves or 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 assets to last them for a while and, and to protect them in, in a way from the financial issues that may come about in the next year or so. Um, to suggest that they're going to move is going to be pretty difficult. Like we've had this discussion before about whether it's better to relocate. Look, if we care that much about retaining uh, the teams that are currently there and and just saying, look, we'll just rebadge, you know, we'll rebadge them, we'll move them elsewhere, um, they can retain that link to the, you know, we're trying to go through the Sydney Swans model of, yeah. you know, it used to be South Melbourne and there's still people who f- view it as South Melbourne, all that kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I've gone through this in in the past that, you know, I felt like this is a good thing. Uh, it retains the, the branding of the clubs that are familiar. But then I think, well, why are the Cronulla Sharks special that they need to still be kept alive where you've got other teams like, you know, Newtown Jets and others that have fallen by the wayside over the years. And maybe it, maybe it is time to sort of consider, well, you know, maybe we just create the new team that needs to be created rather than relocate and then let them start their own, uh, you know, tradition and history. Mm. Um, I Look, I don't know. If we're talking about Brisbane, I personally think what we need to do is consider – are there any teams in the QRL, in the old Brisbane competition, that you'd want to elevate to this national level, mm. um, and 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 I'm talking about just in terms of the branding, so that way, you've still got the history of the of a local team, but it's just been elevated to a higher level and and with support thrown behind it. So, look, are we going to go with a team like the Brisbane Brothers or something like that? You know. Is that the kind of thing, you know, some of those kind of uh, decisions need to be made as well. There are some options that may be available to this uh, this particular franchise uh, that, um, you know, have already been taken. Uh, you know, there's others like, I think, is it the Dolphins and what's the other one, the Jets or whatever it is that, that have been taken off, you know, because there are other bidding, bidding teams involved, um, potentially that's an option as well, is look at what's remaining yeah. and decide whether you want to elevate one of those uh, clubs to this level and put your weight of support behind it. So um, that's my view. What about you, Tish? Um, final, final thoughts before we move on?
1: Yeah, look, um, you know, look, if there is going to be a team to move, look, I think I think the Sutherland-Shire Cronall sort of identifies pretty well, so I think it does represent an area. Um, the other day, I was looking at the map of Sydney and trying to figure out where is the suburb of St George, um, and there isn't one. <laughs> so. Well, well, it's a it's a district. I think we've spoken about this. It's a district that covers
0: that southern part, you know, from Cogra pretty much all the way to the Illawarra. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Does actually that's used to be called, uh, you know, say. So in fact, there's the St George area, the Cogra area, I think. In the past, used to be called the Illawarra suburbs.
1: Okay, okay. So right.
0: this is a connection. This is
1: why St George Illawarra needs to stay. Needs to stay. Okay, all right. Well, look, I, I just feel like every area. Well, I mean, uh, you got the like. Yeah, I, I think I think every area in Sydney is covered. So, so look, let's just start a new team. And you know, I've just seen a recent uh, documentary about all, the, all of the way the NFL sort of expanded it too. And um, you know, they kind of um, you know, it, it it kind of a lot of it has to do with you know the club's taking responsibility of their own financial well-being, and 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 I think we need to get to that eventually. I think we need to work towards that. So bring in a, a team with their own identity. Um, have a uh, name. Like you know, if you can't come up with the name of what the team's going to be, you know, why don't we have a competition to see what the new name should be? You know, that's um, uh, you know, a lot of clubs have done that in the NFL. Actually, that's where a lot of the teams got their names from. Um, and even some of them were named after famous people rather than being named after a particular mascot or anything like that, you know. So, you know, I think, I think that's probably the way to go, but I think I think the only reason why the QRL are talking about this right now is just because they got, they lost the series and I think it was just a distraction and um, I don't think it's going to have any bearing on what the NRL is going to decide to do about the 17th license.
0: All right, fair enough. Let's draw a close to that discussion. Let's move on to tackle number four. It's the rep round wrap. All right. So we've already talked about the New South Wales 26 nil victory against Queensland in the men's state of origin, but Another state of origin game was held on the Friday night between the Queensland the women's team and the men's team. Uh, the, sorry, the Queensland women's team and the Queensland the New South Wales women's team, and that was a much tighter affair. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have a series at the moment. We only have the one-off game. But I think on the basis of what we saw, the quality of the game and the fact that you know it certainly it trended on Twitter locally. It was mm. uh, people were very very impressed with the quality of. The performances from both both teams, and unfortunately, uh, look this team. This game was won by Queensland eight game eight points to six. Yeah, um, you know a much deserved victory. There was controversy at the end with yep. one of the players uh, appearing to milk a penalty. It was mm. said on social media, but I think on closer inspection, um, that you know I think her her leg was being pulled as she was trying to play the ball, which is a no-no. So I think I, th- I think despite the controversy and the fact that she was, you know, I think the, the media, the online, the media, everyone was sort of saying that the fact that she gave out a bit of a cheeky grin afterwards indicated that she kind of milked it and put on a bit, a bit of an acting performance. But the reality is I think what happened was, she was happy that she got the, the, the penalty. The penalty um, yeah. It had nothing to do with her being devious. I think, you know, you'd be pretty ecstatic too, if, if this is what happened and you knew that that penalty meant that you, uh, it put you in front and in a winning position, which is exactly what it did. So look, despite the controversy, uh, look, if anything this just shows yet again that the women's game is going from strength to strength um there was a lot of uh, discussion around turning this into a three game series next year to to kind of mirror or uh, you know the men's game as well and i'm fully supportive of that i think that would be really excellent so anyway so that was one um the next game was the england and combined nations all stars which was won by the all stars 26 to 24 some controversy over there around uh, the legitimacy of this as, you know, as a useful use of everyone's time.
1: <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Is this, you know, should they have just done an international kind of? Should they have done something else? Basically, is the question. Um, well,
1: well, well, I think man of the match was actually James McGilvery of the Combined All Nations, who actually has played for England before. Um, um, but wasn't selected by the uh, Sean Wayne. So Tim Sheen's actually selected him because he is allowed to play England players in in the England lineup. So um, that kind of throws a bit of spanner in the works as to who should be the, uh, you know, the main playmaker for England when the uh, (laughs) All all Nations uh, win. So yeah, but yeah, but but, yeah, probably a bit like our All-Stars game. I think, Um, you know, in the end, um, you know, it, it, yeah, the, the usefulness is always seems to get questioned, so yeah.
0: Yeah, and it needs to be turned, I mean, comparing to our local one, like at least decisions were made to turn our local one to something more meaningful, which it has been now. So now it is the, you know, the Indigenous versus Maoris. And I think that that's much more meaningful and it makes sense as opposed to it just being a random all-star kind of event. Um and look, the next game was Serbia versus Montenegro. Serbia won that one, twenty-six to fourteen. Don't know much about it, unfortunately, uh, but that's the score. And the next one, the local one in Australia, Malta versus Lebanon, uh, was postponed due to COVID, the the shutdown, basically the lockdown. And uh, so, yeah, that's the round wrap. Let's quickly move on to uh, tackle number five. It's our, well, it's an updated uh, COVID-19 update. So here we go. All right. The NRL announces return to level four protocols. So we were sort of talking about it earlier, but um, Tish, what is the latest in terms of what the NRL is going to do with the COVID lockdown?
1: Yeah. So yes. So so we've as mentioned before the uh, yeah level four lockdown for the next two weeks. Um, that obviously could be extended, just depend on how cases are going. But for the moment, for the next two weeks, uh, level four protocols during the lockdown. So the New South Wales, uh, edict for Greater Sydney has ramifications on round sixteen. So the Warriors match against Sir Georgie Lawara, which was in Gosford. Um, the Panthers versus the Eels at uh, Penrith on Friday night. Uh. The Saturday Canterbury versus Manly clash at Bankwest, and then the Tigers and Rabbitohs at Leichhardt are all games this weekend, which will have no crowds. Um, so there won't be any crowds for those games, which is a bit of a shame because some of them would have been sellouts. I could definitely see the Panthers Eels game being a complete sellout. Yeah, um, you know, so so that's that's there, and and even the Tigers Rabbitohs at Leichhardt is always a, a very picturesque. Saturday, Sunday afternoon game, but so that's going to be unfortunate too. Um, but then look, uh, Origin three um, as scheduled at the moment, uh, July fourteenth after the lockdown to be at um, Stadium Australia. So you know they're you know they have they're, they're looking at regional New South Wales options. Uh, one option is obviously Newcastle, but I think Newcastle is also under a lockdown at the moment. So it'll be interesting. No, no, think. it's not. It's oh, not it's actually. not? Okay, so no, if it's no. not, then that probably is the front runner um you know but i believe camera monster is trying to move it to byron bay so uh <laughs> we'll see how that goes <laughs> they're,
0: they're hurriedly trying to build a stadium in uh, chris hemsworth's property um, <laughs> right. they're working overtime the uh, unfortunately the the locals there are a bit, uh, they wake up too late in the morning to get to <laughs> yeah. work, so for whatever reason, don't know, but, you know, Byron, enjoy enjoy yourself. But well, no, look,
1: because always... protest. There was a protest. Uh, unfortunately, all the pe- workers that were building the stadium, uh, you know, refused to wear shoes on site, so... <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. And they didn't want to wear
0: hard hats because it wrecked their um, dreadlocks. So, you know, that's the other thing. Um, but look, Newcastle is, in all seriousness, is a is a good option. Uh, let's see how it goes, and you know they got to play by ear and see what happens with COVID. Hopefully, the we get we get things under control, and then Newcastle does become an option. It would be great to see it in Sydney. Uh, like I said, potentially they should think about postponing it. Um, playing it in another state is not going to be an option because most of the other states that border New South Wales are under lockdown as well. In fact, Mm. like I said, half of Australia is now under lockdown uh, in terms of the main cities. So you really don't have many options except for regional venues where there's no lockdown. So, yeah, let's see what happens. But anyway, we'll uh, keep you all updated. But let's move on to our final tackle. Uh, Tackle number six is the uh, round 16 tips. Here we go. So after last week's round, the rep round where we were dismal in our tips, two out of six, uh, <laughs> takes me to seventy-five points and you to sixty-eight points. Um let's go quickly through uh the the you know, the the COVID affected round sixteen and roosters versus storm. I can't go past the storm in this one, as much as I don't want them to win, but uh, yeah, storm for yeah,
1: mine. Yeah, I'm picking the storm as well on this one. Um, but Sam Walker is back, but I still think the storm will win.
0: Um, Warriors and Dragons. I think the Warriors are buoyed a little bit by the uh, the news that Sean uh, John Johnson will be returning so uh, to them next year. So Warriors for mine.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think the Dragons for mine since um, Sean Johnson has been announced that he's joining. I think we'll have the opposite effect. <laughs> really? Oh, okay.
0: There you go. Look, Penrith versus Parramatta. Um, you know, would have been like as you said a great probably match of the round in terms of um, uh, you know the closeness. We did see I think a close game earlier in the year between these teams potentially, unless I'm getting confused. But um, I personally think that the Eels will win this one because I think Nathan Cleary. Uh, I don't know if, if if Penrith will be able to handle. Uh, not having him in the squad.
1: Yeah, look, I think this is going to be a tight one, but I'm going to tip the Panthers. Um, I just, yeah, obviously the confidence that the Panthers team has gotten, the New South Wales players from the Panthers have gotten. So, yeah. Uh,
0: Canterbury versus Manly. Uh, I think the Seagulls will win this one quite easily. Well, five
1: debutantes due to isolation (laughs) issues from the (laughs) Panthers. So I'm going to tip Manly on that one. All right, and uh,
0: Canberra Raiders versus Gold Coast Titans. Uh, Look, I think the Raiders, I know they've been a little bit uh, inconsistent this year, but I think they'll bounce back and and start to really get some good wins on the board, and they'll start this Saturday.
1: Yeah, well, I think the Raiders uh, struggle to score tries. I think the Titans struggle to stop tries, but I'm going to tip the Titans in this one.
0: All right, Knights versus Cowboys. Look, again, both teams have been a little bit inconsistent. I think the Knights, however, are showing that they've got, um, uh, you know, they've got the ability to sort of push through and start winning as well. So Knights for mine.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think Knights as well. Um, I believe they're getting some players back, which is obviously going to help them.
0: Uh, Broncos versus Sharks. Um You know, uh, potentially a combined Brisbane team. No, no. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Look, Sharks for mine, uh, but I don't know what the Dugan effect will have on them. Um, (laughs) So I really don't because he's so critical to their team, but he's also a a bit of a um, uh, negative influence sometimes. So I don't know what this is going to have on them. I'm hoping the Broncos can bounce back, but I, I think the Sharks will win this one.
1: Yeah, well, um, I think the the Broncos have got another combination this week. So I'm going to tip the Sharks. Uh, I just think that they're a team that seems to be on the rise and Brisbane don't seem to be that at all. All right, finally, Tigers versus Rabbitohs. Like, uh,
0: this this could go either way. Um, I think the Tigers, if they're going to pull a rabbit out of their hat, they're going to do it this game. I just don't – I think this will be a lot tighter than people realise – but I think the Rabbitohs will pull through this one.
1: Yeah, look, uh being embarrassed sixty-six to whatever. I, I'm tipping the Tigers. They have to win this game. This is the last shot. And then uh, <laughs> and then I'll officially call the season over if 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 they lose this one. But I think the Tigers are uh, yeah, I th- I think at would um that it's it's too big for them to fail on this one, unfortunately.
0: All right and look that's it that that wraps up our podcast we've had a massive one post Mm. state of origin game two we could talk about it for another 80 minutes it was so good uh excellent game hope you guys all enjoyed it and thanks so much for listening to us this episode uh as usual don't forget to email us at rorepublic at gmail.com if you want to catch up with us uh or suggest anything uh and equally check us out on social media the usual places tish over to you to wrap this one up
1: well, thank you, Doctor T, and that's all for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your host, Titian Doctor T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.